0: Hi friend thanks so much for downloading this broadcast and you know my hope my hope and my heart is that you'll hear something that will encourage edify enlighten equip and then lovingly but gently and persistently get you out there in the marketplace of ideas but before you go and start to listen I want to share with you what this month's truth tool is it is the Christmas season so all around us we see the symbols that remind us of the greatest story ever told and one of the main players in the story we talk about at Christmas are angels but we really don't know much about them. We're confused. We've let Renaissance artists somehow define them as chubby little cherubs or somehow they're sitting on a cloud playing a harp. But angels are a whole lot more. They are powerful entities. That's why every single time when they made an appearance in scripture, the first words are, fear not. But these are ministering spirits sent from God to protect us to guard us to give messages to us and they are still very active today the book I've chosen is angels by Tim Chester and it's yours for a gift of any amount it'll answer all the questions you have about these angelic beings and the role that they play in God's creation as for your copy of angels when you give a gift of any amount by calling 877 Janet 58 that's 877 Janet 58 or go online to in the market with Janet Partial.org. scroll to the bottom of the page You can't miss the cover, it has wings on it. Click on the picture, make your donation, and we'll send you, as my way of saying thank you for financially supporting the program, a copy of Angels, When Heaven Meets Earth. When you're on the website, just take a moment and look down one paragraph below the Truth Tool, and you'll get a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are our dear friends who give every single month at a level of their own choosing. In addition to getting whatever the truth tool is for every month you're a partial partner, you'll also get a weekly newsletter that includes an audio piece for me. So if you want to be a monthly giver, setting the level of giving at your own amount, or whether or not you just want this month's truth tool, all of that is available to you at 877-Janet-58, 877-Janet-58, or online at inthemarketwithjanetparshall.org. Now please, enjoy the broadcast. Friends, this is Janet Parshall. Thanks so much for choosing to spend the next hour with us. Today's program is pre-recorded, so our phone lines are not open. But thanks so much for being with us, and enjoy the broadcast.
1: Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the
0: time the conference was over, the president wanted to pledge. So
1: Americans worshiping government over God. An
0: Extremely my next rare safety move by a nation.
1: Seventeen years of Palestinians and Israelis negotiate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello, friends. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. I thank you so much for spending the hour with me. Listen, do you take the Word of God seriously? I hope you do. So when you read in his precious, inerrant, transcendent, immutable, absolutely filled with truth from the first verse of Genesis to the last word in Revelation, when you look at that book and it says that he is not willing that any should perish, what do you think he means by that? Or When we read that God so loved the world, the cosmos, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, that means it is the whole truth of the whole gospel to the whole world. And I am so happy we have an eternity because it's going to take that long to hear all of the stories of how people came to faith in Christ. So pardon me if I sound a little bit excited, but I'll tell you what, these are the stories that since I was a little girl, make my heart race so fast, I think it's going to come out of my chest. I love hearing stories of how people came to Jesus. It's so humbling to see how he pursues us. We think we have found God. It's the other way around. He pursues us and how thankful I am personally for that profound truth. And I love to hear how creative, how inventive, how unbelievably awe-inspiring are the stories of how Jesus pursues people and draws them to himself, even in the most bizarre of places. I mean, imagine, I don't know, let me just pick a country, Saudi Arabia. Now, we know that this is the heart of Wahhabism, which is a particularly virulent form of Islam. We know there's no such thing as religious liberty in that country. You can't bring a Bible in. We know that people are beheaded for crimes. We know that people have their hands cut off for crimes. We know that there are vice police. It is a very, very difficult country, but it is very, very strategically important to the United States. So we have this geopolitical tension with the nation of Saudi Arabia, but there's also an opportunity there for the gospel. Not easy. But then again, in that book I just referenced, where does it say it was going to be always easy to share the gospel? Are you reading a version? I'm not, because send it to me. I'd like to see that part. All I know is that we're told to go and tell, and the results we leave in the Lord's hand. So I want you to know... I just love this medium of radio because it really sometimes puts me in touch with people I wouldn't meet until we're going to be spending eternity together. So that's the case with Pastor Matthew Black. This dear man, who's a senior pastor of Living Hope Bible Church in Roselle, Illinois, gets on the email, sends it to me and says, you're going to want to know about my friend. I wouldn't know about his friend who I will introduce in just a moment because both of these dear gentlemen are with me this hour. But if Pastor Matt had not emailed me, I wouldn't know about this story. And therefore, you probably wouldn't know about this story but you're going to hear it. Let me tell you a little bit about Pastor M- 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 Matt first. He is, uh, as I said before, senior pastor, but he's also studied theology in Spanish for his undergrad. He's currently pursuing graduate studies at Faith Bible Seminary in Lafayette, Indiana. He's certified with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. He has been a foreign missionary in the Madrid and Basque regions of Spain. How cool is that? Hence, the Spanish comes in real handy. Assisting in the establishment of a church in Christian camp and enjoys Living Hope's Spanish ministry. He enjoys supporting the Dundee Scottish Pipe Band. He had me at the pipe band, believe me, and serving on the board of Bible Visuals International and participating in the Chicagoland Gospel Network. So let me welcome you first, Pastor Matt. And when you say Dundee, are you talking Scotland or Illinois?
1: Oh, I'm talking about Scotland, but it also happens to be in Illinois.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's great to be with you, Janet. (laughs) You as well. And thank you, thank you, thank you for the gentleman that I'm about to introduce now. Dr. Ahmed Joktan is with us. He is a physician. And I don't want to say anything else other than he has written an absolutely stirring book called From Mecca to Christ. And here's the subtitle, first hint of his story. A true story from the son of the Meccan Mufti. Ahmed, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. So I just have to start from the beginning. Tell me what it's like to grow up in Saudi Arabia. Tell me about your family. And in particular, tell me about your father, please.
2: Thank you, Janet, for having me. It's an honor to be with you today. Um, Mm. So I'm from uh, Mecca, Saudi Arabia, and growing there is different than being here in the United States of America. Um, Imagine, um, you know, Go into Chicago, where um, and Chicago all of a sudden become w- without any church, and there is religious police all around. Um, so you know, growing in Saudi Arabia is it, like um, it, it. I don't think any American can imagine how different it is unless you, you go there. Uh, my my father is an Islamic mufti in Mecca, and Mecca is the uh, holiest site for all Muslims. Um, growing up i uh, go to, i went to the mosque uh 5 times a day and uh, mm. one of those times is in the early morning I- imagine in um, freezing cold in chicago you wake up and you have to wash certain parts of the body and then you have to go to the mosque um, so uh, my, my my father also is a, a a judge a sharia law judge so um it's it's based on on um the sharia law of islam um that is based on the quran itself So, yep.
0: Very devout. And you went and worshipped with your father. Help our friends understand. You're talking to people all across the country. When someone is a mufti, what kinds of responsibilities does that bear? What was he required to do as a mufti?
2: So, um, uh, If you read the Bible, you understand the role of the Pharisees. And basically, he would um, elaborate uh, if something is lawful or unlawful. So people would come to him and ask him, um, can we do this? Are we allowed to do this by the Sharia law? And he would tell them, yes, you can do this based on uh, one, two, three from the Quran or the Sunnah um, or not. You cannot do that. So basically, that's his role as a Mufti.
0: Oh, Now, this was important, obviously, that you be devout as well. How important was the Quran when you were a boy growing up?
2: Yes. So um, we, uh, we were um, forced and encouraged to uh, go to the mosque um, and memorize the Quran. And uh, I have memorized the entire Quran without a single mistake, not out of love, but out of fear. And this oh, is what I have oh. to say.
0: Wow. Let me pick it up at that point. Now, I want you to remember that Pastor Matthew Black is with us as well, and I'm going to fold him into the story when it's the appropriate time. But again, this is an amazing story of a man raised by a Mecca mufti in Saudi Arabia. I mean, this is sort of ground zero, if you will, of Islam on planet Earth. And yet the name of the book that he's authored is From Mecca to Christ. So you know there's a story there. Oh, and is there ever. We're going to continue right after this. One of the many key players in the Christmas story are angels. But who are they? And should we still believe in them today? That's why I've chosen Angels by Tim Chester as this month's truth tool. Learn what we can know for sure about these heavenly messengers. Ask for your copy of Angels when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-Janet-58. That's 877-Janet-58. Or go to intheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. Fascinating conversation with Pastor Matthew Black, who's the senior pastor of Living Hope Bible Church in Roselle, Illinois, and Dr. Ahmed Jokhtin, who's a medical doctor turned evangelist and also author of the book From Mecca to Christ. So, Ahmed, if I may, I want to go back to you. You said something very intriguing just before the break. You said you memorized the Quran without a mistake. You didn't do it out of love. You did it out of fear. Why was there fear in this?
2: Well, um... If if you um, make a mistake in any verse in the Quran, it's shameful. And uh, to some uh, Muslims, it's uh, sinful as well. Um, and there is a punishment if you do a mistake. For example, um, I did like about 20 of those mistakes. And um, um, if I um, did a mistake in a verse in the Quran, my teacher will place me in front of the whole mosque, and it's a big mosque, and um, I'll be placed on the ground, and uh, my feet will be up, and they will, you know, strike my feet. Um, And it's really, really uh, hurtful. It's painful to the degree that I, I, at at that moment, I wouldn't be able to walk after that. And nobody would help me because I have done something shameful. I came from a culture of shame and honor. And to them, if you do something shameful, you're basically done and nobody will help you. And there is no mercy on that.
0: There's so much that you have to teach us, Ahmed. Let me ask you, uh, as a young boy growing up again, your father having a very prestigious position, and that was being a mufti in Mecca, the holiest of all places for Muslims. And yet, as you're memorizing the Quran, you can't make a mistake. You can't embarrass your family. You can't make a mistake or be embarrassed in front of the leaders. You also write, with the Quran now memorized, it was time to learn how to wage holy war for Allah. Jihad is the highest honor for any Muslim. Let me stop. This is right out of your book, From Mecca to Christ. You know, very often you will hear people say, well, jihad means the personal internal struggles that go on. Uh, Christians would misinterpret that to say, oh, you mean like the, the internal struggles that the Apostle Paul talked about, right? But is that really what jihad means, or was it really training for physical war?
2: Well, in the um, sense of Sunni Islam, it is um, a physical jihad of killing others. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's coming from chapter nine, uh, chapter number 9 of the Quran, verse 111, which is the only guaranteed way to go to heaven, is by mm-hmm. the blood of someone. And we know as the believers in Christ that we are going to heaven by the blood of Jesus. Um, and it's really sad that nobody is, is going to, to Muslims and telling them that you don't need to kill anyone else. Jesus already died for you, and that is the perfect um, sacrifice that um, you, you could ever present to God to pardon you from um, your sins. So, yes, it's it's out of that chapter of the Quran, and it's physical jihad, Yep, yeah.
0: It is physical. Wow. So you, this is chilling, Ahmed. You talk about the fact that you literally went to a camp. There were people from all over the world. You were instructed through videos how to slaughter, quote, infidels through military training, through bomb-making, and hand-to-hand combat. Did you think that someday you were actually going to be called for the sake of Allah to have to take another person's life?
2: Um, Sure. You know, um, coming from a uh, tribe with that kind of heritage and history, I was thinking that is my way. And uh, I was thinking I will end up like those whom I saw on on those videos. But, um, of course, um, I'm here now with you, and it's, uh, it's God's way, not my way.
0: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. But it helps so that we can understand, so we can have a softer heart, so we can begin to understand how we can share the gospel with our Muslim friends. Did you truly think, before you had an encounter with Christ, that your only way of making it to paradise would somehow be absolute allegiance to the Quran, and if necessary, take the life of an infidel, and that you would, in essence, if I can put it in these words, buying your way into paradise?
2: According to the Quran, yes. And, uh, you know, um, the the Islam that I grew up in, the Sunni Islam, the Wahhabism in in particular, yes, you have to do that um, in order to have a guaranteed way to go to to heaven. And that's why the 9-11 happened. And um, I'm sad to say that, but it's based on that verse in the Quran.
0: Yes. But it helps us understand, I mean, unless your heart changes, your worldview doesn't change. So it it makes perfect sense. But the story doesn't end there. As you say, you were joining me from California. We're actually speaking at a conference. And the book that you wrote is called From Mecca to Christ. So here you are literally being trained in a jihadi camp, literally thinking that the time may come when you'd be called upon to take another person's life. And in so doing, you would have been in absolute obedience to what the Quran taught. But that was not God's plan for your life. And he shows up in a very miraculous way. Talk to me about this.
2: Yes. So um, growing up, they did not teach us English because English is the language of infidel and infidelity. And um, I graduated from high school, and I wanted to join College of Medicine. Medicine is taught in English worldwide. And, uh, you know, going there in in the first class and seeing this different language that I've never seen before in my life, um, you know, um, failure uh, came on, on the board. It's like, hey, you're going to fail. Um, you have to uh, look for another way. So I, I went and I used Google Translator. Um, I copied all those pages, translated to Arabic, but that was time-consuming. So um, um, I, I went to New Zealand to study English, um, and after two and a half months, I saw a dream that um, basically uh, turned my life upside down.
0: <laughs> I love it. So you had a dream, and what happens in the dream?
2: Yes, yeah, so um, two weeks prior to that dream, um, a man who loved Muslims, he prayed that the Lord will send him someone from Saudi Arabia. Pastor Brian um from the Auckland Baptist Tabernacle. He, mm. uh, he said, Lord, you have sent us Muslims from Iran, from Iraq, from other nations, but no one from Saudi Arabia. Lord, would you send us someone from Saudi Arabia? And he prayed with his church. Two weeks after that uh, prayer, um, while I was uh, sleeping on my bed, the balcony opened up, and um, a, light sh- sh- a light came to the room. It's like you're walking in a dark street with no light, and um, a light all of a sudden, you know, shine on you. And um, in the dream, uh, the Lord said, come to me. I began to tremble with, with terror at the glorious, magic, majestic person. And I said, where, where do you want me to come to you? The Lord said, go to the house of the white pillars. There you shall find the truth.
0: But let me stop right there, and I'm going to pick up the dream at this point wow, what did I tell you about the Lord pursuing us? We're visiting with Dr. Ahmed Jokton and Pastor Matthew Black. This is a powerful story, but it reveals exactly how big our God is. Do you know him today? I hope this story is stirring you to do some seeking on your own journey. Back after this. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall, and what a joy to spend time with Pastor Matthew Black, Senior Pastor of Living Hope Bible Church in Roselle, Illinois, and Dr. Ahmed Jokhton, who's a medical doctor who's now turned evangelist. And I'm going to go back to the dream in a minute, but Pastor Matt, I just have to ask you, I'm I'm a little old Bible church girl myself, and growing up, we didn't didn't do a lot of talking about Jesus showing up in dreams. And to this day, I know that there are people listening going, no, 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 that doesn't happen. Talk to me as a pastor when you heard this story, what went through your mind?
1: Well, I had the same reaction. No, that doesn't happen. But uh, apparently it does. And God is reaching (laughs) Muslims all around the world in this unique way.
0: Yeah. And we hear it again and again and again. But does it not go to what I said earlier, which is if the declaration in his word is that he's not willing that any would perish, then why would he not use all means at his disposal, including dreams? So, Ahmed, let me go back to you. So you're having this dream. I love the fact that this dear man in New Zealand said, Lord, send me a Muslim from Saudi Arabia. You come. The Lord shows up to you in a dream. The Lord says to you, go to the house of white pillars, and there you shall find the truth. What was the house with white pillars? Please pick up your story from there.
2: Yes. So at that time, I did not know the exact name of the building. All I saw is a building with white pillars. So um, uh, the Lord took me in a away, um, that is mentioned in the book. But um, at the end, I went there, and that building is the Auckland Baptist Tabernacle. And um, it's a church plant from London. Um, have you ever heard about the uh, famous uh, preacher um, uh, Charles Spurgeon? Yes, so, indeed. So um, his son... Yeah, his son went there to plant that church. So it, it is that church. And it's an old building. Um, it looked like a, uh, a Roman uh, kind of uh, structure. Um, oh. And to me at that time, it looked like a museum.
0: So you go. It's this famous uh, church in New Zealand founded by the son of Charles Spurgeon. And what happens when you get to the church?
2: Yes so I, I entered inside um and uh, you know uh, Brian um he uh, with a smile uh, greeted me in Arabic and um uh, he told me to sit down and uh, he asked me to tell him about the dream which was shocking for me how would he know um and then <laughs> um I uh, after I finished you know he uh, he told me that I have seen Isa in my dream um mm. you know and then um he um uh, talked to me more about Isa from the Quran And uh, it shocked me how this man knew about uh, the verses of Jesus uh, in the Quran. Um, Mm -hmm. As you know, that there are many verses in the Quran that's speaking about Jesus that is uh, borrowed from the um, the New Testament.
0: Mm -hmm. And Isa, of course, is the reference to Jesus in the Quran. So he walks you through. He uh, praise God. This man understood the Quran, knew the Quran, knew immediately how to connect, was able to show you what the Quran said versus what the Bible said. He talks to you, and then why and how did you decide to make the decision to give your life to Jesus?
2: Um, I would say because of the love of this man, who um, continued and endured all of my questions. And he answered them, uh, first, in a manner that, um, that I could understand. Um, he did not um, bring the cross to me, but he brought me, he lifted me up to the cross, basically. Um, so he talked to me from the Quran and about um, who is the word of God in the Quran. And the word of God, you'll be surprised, but the word of God in the Quran is Jesus. You know, truth hmm. is truth and light is light. Wow. It doesn't matter where, it's light. Um, <laughs> and the glorious light of the gospel is also there, although it's faint, but it's there.
0: Wow. Wow. So all of us, those of us who can remember the specific day we made this decision to believe Jesus, to ask him to come into our life, to take away our sins. When you made that decision, and this is absolutely against everything you knew as a child growing up. It's against everything you were taught in the Quran. You went through the ritual of five times a day. Going uh, and and showing up at the mosque, bathing, praying, no, memorizing the Quran, going to jihadi camp. I mean, Jesus could not be more different than everything that was in your DNA. Did you stop and say, "Wait a minute, this just might cost me if I make this decision"?
2: Well, at that time, with a dream and uh, with the love of uh, Brian that he showed me, the love of God through um, Jesus, um, at that moment I did not see the future, what will happen uh, when I accept um, Jesus as my as my Lord and Savior. Um, but after that, I saw the cost, you know. But God was yeah. with me even through those um, times of trial.
0: Wow. So you come to New Zealand to study English do you then, and again, you're going to be a medical doctor. English is the language that's universal in medical training. Are you going to go back then to Saudi Arabia from New Zealand?
2: Well, um, when that dream happened, I, I, I was uh, trembling with fear, and I called a travel agency and I said, please send me back to Saudi Arabia as soon as possible. And mm. uh, the travel agency told me that, you know, the, the next available seat is a week from that time. So I feel like trapped in that country and for a reason. So the Lord um, was prepared me to meet Brian and to hear the word of God. Brian took me to John one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word um, is God. So um, he took me from there, and um, he explained to me that um, your Word is with you, and it's one with you. So Jesus Isa is one with God, and um, when he came to New Zealand, you paid with New Zealand dollars. You couldn't pay with your. Real. So when you stand before God, you have to mm-hmm. pay with a payment that is according to the standards of God and Jesus is the only one that can satisfy that payment.
0: Exactly. Wow. And again, look how God moves. So if you had gotten a seat earlier, perhaps you wouldn't have had the dream. You wouldn't have ended up at the house with the white pillars. You wouldn't have met Brian. Bryden wouldn't have taken you to the word of God and things would be so dramatically different. But eventually you do get back in an airplane and you do go back to Saudi Arabia. Now, remember that song that you've sung in church, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. What price do you think Dr. Jockton had to pay? You'll find out right after this. This is Janet Parshall, and I want to take a moment to remind you that today's program is pre-recorded, so our phone lines aren't open. But I sure do appreciate your spending the hour with us, and thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of the program. When we tackle tough issues on In the Market, do you find yourself nodding in agreement? Then why not take the next step today and become a partial partner? Your monthly gift will help to keep us on the air, and you'll receive exclusive behind-the-scenes resources directly from me, like a transcript of my weekly commentary, an exclusive weekly audio briefing, and more. Become one of our partial partners today by calling 877-JANET-58 or go online to In the Market with JanetParshall.org. What an amazing conversation with Pastor Matthew Black, Senior Pastor of Living Hope Bible Church in Roselle, Illinois, and Dr. Ahmed Jaktan, who's a medical doctor, turned evangelist. He has written the book, From Mecca to Christ, a true story from the son of the Meccan Mufti. Absolutely fascinating. So, Ahmed, you come to faith in Christ in New Zealand. You then get on a plane. You go back to Saudi Arabia. And I said just before the break that sometimes we fail to realize that Jesus paid it all for us. And if we choose to follow Jesus, we're going to have some challenging times. And you certainly did as well. You go back to Saudi Arabia, and you write in your book that you faced death. Death, not once, but five times. Tell our friends what happened.
2: Um, Yes, and I want to say that um, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life following after Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. So, um, yes, five times I faced death, and the first one is uh, when Brian, um, he um, basically sent me off on the airport, and he gave me a gift, and he said, this will guide you. He knew that there's no one in Saudi Arabia who can guide me in faith. So, um, and that gift was the New Testament in Arabic, and uh, when my father uh, found out that um, I have a, a, a New Testament, in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, um, he he did not take that lightly, and uh, to the point that he put AK-47 to my head, um, hmm. and uh, you know, but the Lord um, rescued me from that moment.
0: So he puts an AK-47 to your head, and then you don't die. Then you get arrested by the religious police. Why?
2: You know, the, the light of the glorious gospel. Was shining in my heart and I couldn't contain that. Um, I, I am the fragile clay jar and I have this treasure that I want to share with everyone. So I shared the gospel with a uh, fellow Saudi uh, person and uh, at the beginning he was agreeing with me. Uh, but when I prayed in the name of Jesus, um, you know, he called the religious police, and they came in, and they, they start to beat the heck out of me without a mercy. In the U.S., we not have religious police. Um, we have the police police. But um, in Saudi Arabia, we have the state police, and we have the religious police. And they knocked 13, uh, 13 teeth off my from my mouth.
0: Oh, oh, my word. Because you're not allowed to evangelize at all in Saudi Arabia, and so you now were paying the price. Another time, the Saudi government goes after you with a tanker. Tell me about this.
2: So I used to go to a church that is 13, hear me out, 13 hours each way in the next-door oh. country, like you're going to worship in Canada and come back to Chicago. Wow. And um, after a year of, of being there, I was, I was discovered and uh, was put in, in, um, in, in jail for a night, and uh, they released me on terms that I would never go to that meeting. Um, but the Book of Hebrew is telling me that I should not forsake that simply of the uh of the, of the church. So I, I drove back, and uh, probably I was a troublemaker, so they wanted to make that, that look like an accident. And they, want, mm. they wanted me to basically melt, um, and that was the acid tanker. But God snatched wow. me from the jaws of death. Oh,
0: and that's time number three. Then there are two more occasions— where you're literally fired on with rifles. Tell me about that.
2: So that light is still shining in my heart, and I couldn't contain it. So I, I continued to share the gospel um, in, in Saudi Arabia and other countries. And uh, because I became a troublemaker now, uh, they started to realize that they should, have, they should get rid of me. But they did not realize that I'm under the best witness protection program, <laughs> God's witness protection program. I witness for Jesus, and he protects me all the time. <laughs> so they started to shoot at me, and uh, I, I, I didn't want to leave Saudi Arabia. I wanted to share the gospel because I know that not many people want to go there. The last person who went crazy in Saudi Arabia and shared everywhere was Paul in Galatians 1, verse 17 mm. and 18. Um, <laughs> But it was it was time for me to leave, and the Lord made a way for me.
0: Well, wow, and got out of Saudi Arabia. Have you been back since?
2: No, unfortunately. No.
0: Oh, that has to be hard for you. Have you lost contact with your father?
2: Um, since that day when he put AK forty-seven to my head, um, he basically disowned me because I was a shame on him and on mm-hmm. my on my tribe. And since then. Um, since I came from a culture of shame and honor, he wouldn't even recognize yes. me anymore.
0: Oh, oh, Ahmed! Um, it's so important for us to hear this because um, we need to count the cost. Did you ever think, you know, it would have been a whole lot easier if I never had that dream? You know, if, if I if I just hadn't gone to the house with the white pillars, I wouldn't have faced death five times. I wouldn't have been put out in my culture, in my country from my father. Do you ever think I'm, it's not worth it?
2: Well, um, after I've seen all that, I'm like, "Thank you, God, for making me go through all that. Because if wow. I didn't go through those persecution and trials, I wouldn't known that you exist. I would have no, would have not known that Jesus loves me, and I have, would have never known that God is in control. And those verses in the gospel are still alive and applicable today."
0: Pastor Matt, let me go to you at this point. And by the grace of God, Ahmed is in the United States of America. He's teaching pastors. He's written his book. He has this now fabulous ministry that we're so grateful for. And by the way, you can learn more by going to my website, and you can learn about Mecca to meccatochrist.org. This is a fabulous ministry. How does your life intersect with Ahmed's? How in the world is this dear physician turned evangelist just not an author of a book, but someone whose life intersected with yours?
1: So after uh, he he got hit at night by that acid, acid tanker, they had put it um, with its lights out in the in the street um, in the in the highway where he was crossing from that 13-hour journey to church. After that, he was all scarred up, and he had come to the United States um, just to encourage pastors and churches to reach Muslims for Jesus Christ. And his pastor in in uh, another Gulf state country, um, recommended that he come to our little church. He had heard about it. And uh, so what a long-distance recommendation. I was kind of shocked. And I met him in June of 2016, and I was actually afraid of him when I first met him because I didn't trust him. He, mm. I, ca- I came to find out that he's a modern-day Arabian Saul of Tarsus. Mm. And just like they did not receive Paul immediately, so it is so it was with D- Dr. Ahmed, and and yet um, he joined us. I, I heard his testimony. I was so moved, just like we've heard today. And he joined us for an evening service, and he shared his amazing testimony. It melted the hearts of our our little congregation, and then he left to go back to Saudi. And I begged him not to go back. I knew his life would be in danger. We were on the phone probably every other day. It's amazing through, um, through various uh, WhatsApp and FaceTime and all of that, you can actually talk very well through these, uh, to other countries. But I, I said, you're probably going to die, so we need to start writing down your story. And with tears of sorrow and joy, uh, each day I went with him through his journey from Mecca Christ. And I asked mm-hmm. so much about his story and what Islam is like, and I wrote down everything that he dictated to me, and that's that's the book that, that he just published.
0: Wow. Wow, what an amazing story. It, it takes my breath away. Ahmed, let me ask you, in the West, we have, and, and thank you, Pastor Matt, for being so honest about saying that mm-hmm. you were a little fearful of beginning. I think if we're going to be transparent, I think that's the case for a lot of Western Christians. I hate to draw those kinds of adjective lines around, but let's just say here in the West, because we're post 9 11, I bet you 99% of the people listening to us right now wouldn't have even thought about Islam before 9 11, but that changed our way of thinking forever. In the meantime, the Lord has brought the mission field from over there to right here. And now a lot of American Christians don't even know how to begin to engage with their Muslim friends. They're afraid, they don't know, they don't know where to begin a dialogue, they have no point of reference, they don't know. Unlike Brian in New Zealand, they don't know the side-by-side comparisons between the Quran and what the word of God has to say, so they're afraid to even engage. So, Ahmed, where do we start? How do we, if if we, like Jesus, don't want to see anybody be eternally separated from a loving God, and so we have these Muslim neighbors and friends and coworkers, but we're afraid. Where do we start? How do we begin the dialogue?
2: Um, Thank you for that question. And, um, yes, I see that around me, and um, I I have been rejected from uh, many churches, Um, Just Mm -hmm. because I am from that background. Although I say Jesus Christ is my Lord, but (laughs) I've been casted away. Um, I would say love. Mm L-O-V-E. The love of 1 Corinthians 13. Let them see Jesus in you. I'm not asking you to be a scholar in the Quran or Islam, but I am asking you to read the Bible, to read Jesus' words, to obey them. And Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commitments and his commitments are simply, this is the greatest commission go ye and make disciples of all nations. I know that it's really difficult. I know that you have seen a lot of um, the 1% of of Islam but most of the Muslims around you, they're nominal Muslims. I came from a very um, strict form of of Islam that is the Wahhabi Islam but if you can't love them that's the best that you can do
0: Yeah, Exactly. Let me pick up on that, because I think that's hugely important. And what a wake-up call for the church, by the way. Aren't we going to be surprised when we get to glory? I I never thought they would have made it in. What do you think the church is going to look like in heaven? And by the way, this idea of rejection, we've referenced our brother Paul on more than one occasion. I bet he experienced the same thing that Ahmed did too. Time and again, back after this. Hearing stories like the one you're listening to this hour do to you, but, oh, it forces me to my knees. It reminds me of the price Christ paid for me, and it reminds me of the price I might be called to pay for following him. We need to hear stories like those of Dr. Ahmed Joktan, this medical doctor from Saudi Arabia, the son of a mufti in Mecca. It doesn't get any more intense than that in the world of Islam. And yet Jesus comes to him in his dream. Old things pass away. All things become new. And Dr. Jockton's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and nothing and no one can separate him from the love of God. So he writes a book with the help of his friend, Pastor Matthew Black, called From Mecca to Christ, a true story from the son of the Meccan Mufti. It's there on my website for your perusal. If you'll go to In the Market with janetpartial.org click on that red box that says program details and audio, it takes you to the information page. There's a link To Dr. Jackson's ministry, and there's the book From Mecca to Christ as well. Ahmed, let me go back to what you were saying before. Just love them. We need to just take a look at statistics. We have three and a half million, according to some data reports, we have three and a half million Muslims here in the United States. When I was a child growing up in my Bible church, we used to talk about going over there to the mission field. Now the mission field's right here in your own backyard. So showing the love of Christ is extremely important. You also point out that introducing our Muslim friends to other Christians is also beneficial. Why is that?
2: I would say that that is beneficial because the light of Christ is in those other uh, believers in him. And um, unless the other uh, Christians would show those Muslims the word of God and read with them the Bible, um, they would never come to know Jesus if you secluded the Muslims. How would they hear unless, you know, uh, somebody is there telling them, right? Um, So it's really important that um, you you show them um, the love of 1 Corinthians 13. And um, I'm sorry, but I have to say this, that Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 44 says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I do that myself. So um, I would say to, to to let them see that Christ in you and to uh, read with them the uh, the words of, of God, um, that is more sufficient to show them the light of the gospel.
0: Wow, amazing. I, I would love for you to share your story. You talk about God's protective hand in your life. Coming from Saudi Arabia to the United States is no easy feat. You really and truly have to come seeking asylum. One would say after five attempts on your life, you've more than qualified. But it still takes a move of Congress to be able to get you asylum. Share that story with us.
2: Um, yes, yeah, so so I came here and I applied with uh, almost 41 affidavits, um, uh, you know, written under penalty of perjury. They had to swear under the penalty of perjury that those things are true. And I came with uh, pictures, videos, and even with intelligence reports from another country. And um, um, from the get-go, when I got to the asylum office, the officer was um, just against me and uh with no uh reason and um after the interview um we talked to another lawyer who who looked at my case and said the, the decision is biased so we uh, we prayed and um um i was hurt that some christians even said that it, my story is not true and i'm just making that up and mm-hmm. i remember that i i closed my eyes and i i prayed lord jesus you you are my witness i'm under your protection vindicate me jesus and he he answered my prayer and uh, we began to um to talk to uh senators and um there is no reason that those senators and congressmen and women would uh, come to my help. But God moved them to come to my aid and in no time. And um, especially I'm I'm thankful to the senator of Illinois, um, Durbin, and to Congressman uh, Lahoud and others. Uh, But those two are the first who stood by my side. And um, they they, uh, made inquiry to the immigration office, and God just turned the table upside down in a day and a night.
0: Wow. And again, what we want to point out to our friends all across the country is that it ended up being... Bipartisan support, which is a word we use here in Washington, D.C., that means there was support from both sides of the aisle. Again, an act of God. That There's no other way to define this. I, mean, I think it's important for people to understand that when we look back at 9-11, is it true that you were related to some of the hijackers?
2: Um, I'm sad to say this, but that's true. Um, those uh, Some of those hijackers were from my own tribe. And uh, I'm ashamed to say that, but uh, th- that happened. And um, I'm thankful that Jesus took me from that deep darkness.
0: Yes, but I want our friends to realize that when, until your heart is changed by Jesus Christ, your life doesn't change. Your worldview doesn't change. What you've been trained to believe as a child, what you've been trained to believe at the mosque, memorizing the Quran, doesn't change until you have an encounter with Jesus, which Pastor Matt takes us right back full circle to this mandate to really declare the whole truth of the whole gospel to the whole world. I want to hear your heart as a pastor. When you hear that Ahmed is rejected by some in the Christian community because of where he came from, what his background is, what goes through your heart?
1: Well, having at first um, not believed him, you know, I have, I have a tender heart for those who, who might be suspicious, but it brings us back to the high cost of following Jesus. I've learned a new level of Christianity since I've met Dr. Ahmed, that Christ calls us to deny ourselves and take up a cross and do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ. And I think um, God in these last days is awaking a sleeping church and giving us His heart for all nations. And so it's incredible that this this young doctor has come all the way from Saudi Arabia and is a member of our church. I wake up every day going, uh, I'm just completely amazed. And I know that God wants to do that with churches throughout America and the world. Give us uh, the heart of God.
0: Yes, amen and amen. Uh, Pastor Matt, I can't thank you enough for introducing me to our brother, Dr. Ahmed Jaktan. Dr. Jockton, I pray that God continues to open doors for you to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell your testimony. You are a living picture of what it means when old things pass away and all things become new. Thank you for challenging us, the followers of Jesus Christ, to show the love of Christ to the world around us. That is the hallmark of distinction. And like you said earlier, we are all fractured earthen vessels carrying this imperishable message to a very very thirsty world thank you for your courage thank you for your obedience thank you for your testimony and thank you so much both of you for spending the hour with us blessings 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 pray for pastor jockton you can imagine that there are some who now consider him an infidel. So pray for protection and safety for him and pray that churches would welcome him with open arms. Hearing that kind of a message will put us back on mission as followers of Jesus Christ. That great commission still to this moment remains great. The question is whether or not we will step into it in obedience. Thanks for joining us, friends. We'll see you next time on In the Market with Janet Parshall.